Hey guys, these next three episodes are going to be from our live episode out on the back porch of Franklin Bridge last Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We had over 70 people from the club who came out and supported, and we had giveaways from Titleist, Srixon, and our own Scott Hasse. Everybody in attendance got a 30-minute free lesson, so make sure to come on out on Wednesdays at 6.30 to make sure that you are there to win some great giveaways. So we have a lot of things to plug on the podcast. We have the Franklin Bridge Performance app. We have our fall programming along with some exciting, exciting, exciting uh, new additions to Franklin Bridge coming up within the year. So um, make sure that you guys come out to Franklin Bridge at 6.30 on Wednesdays to come listen to the Champions Playbook. Um, thank you for everybody who came out. And without further ado, here you go. There's no rules. Shoot a lower score. Welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge. We're doing our last one. We're going to do a quick t- uh, 10 to 15 minute one. A quick 10 to 15 minute one. It's yep. our last episode of the night. We normally do the last episode of the night um, kind of in this fashion where we kind of dive into a, like a little a tougher topic. Um, I don't know what the topic is today. It's actually going to be a surprise to me. Normally I know, but I don't know today. So we're going to use... We're still going to stay in the golf and teaching side and playing side, but like using junior evaluations and development as a uh, kind of growing model for how to teach adults. And so like what can we take from there to the adult level that's going to be big? So, uh, wow. Go long. Um, So being able to take junior development, what we can learn there, like what we've done there, uh, particularly with her experience up there at the academy that she's at. How can we take what we've learned there and apply it to adult instruction? Uh, obviously, we talked about it earlier, adults suck at learning, but they don't have to. So I'm going to try and handle that element of it. But I think from the teaching and coaching side, uh, Stephanie's got a lot of value to add here. I know Scott's experience, especially doing some work with some of these guys trying to get on the tour, uh, et cetera. Yeah. So let's get right into it. We're going to do a 10 to 15 go. minute one. So um, let's go. I can't really speak on this. It's got to be a Scott or Stephanie thing. Well, I, I think my question with Stephanie is like, like, how do we build junior golfers to be the very best that they are? Start there. And then like, how can we piggyback on that and push that into adult instruction? Obviously, they're not the same, but there's a lot of elements that we can carry over. So. The floor is yours, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to kind of start just, I guess, with some of the things that we do at our facility that's different in the industry. That anyone who comes through our facility, you have to go through a four-and-a-half-hour assessment. That is <laughs> physically, golf skill, and golf performance. Can I say that sounds exhausting? <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, and and that, and we also pride ourselves on it might not be right for you. <laughs> so if you don't want to improve or work on your game, then we might not be the facility for you. So how serious are you? Um, but oh, that was good. I lost my train of thought though. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> so we start there with that assessment again, physically, performance-wise, skill-based. Uh, you're then put into groups with our juniors um, from a learn-to-play standpoint, competitive, elite programming, 
um, building that culture that we've talked about tonight, just with that competitive nature and I need to beat this person and here is my PDI index and score and here is my pathway and where we need to go. Uh, to answer your question, Scott, with just how we can do that with our adults and another thing that we do really well is we measure and we don't guess in the sense that we use all of the technology that we have. Uh, we put you on 6D motion and KVS, TrackMan, Foresight, everything. Anything you can imagine. And then us coaches come together as a team and assess all of the tendencies that you do. And we do it together. We spend a lot of time and we argue and we debate like Scott and I do uh, about your best path and the best route that you should take. Uh, and we start from there. We go there. Well, so do you have juniors and adults in the same group? Sorry, I think I, I, think I misunderstood what you said. The adults do the same kind of like learn to train, train to whatever, but they're not like mixed with your juniors. Correct, yes. Yeah. So they have their own programming, but everyone goes through the assessment process. So then like the carry, like so Scott, with some of the guys you've tried to help on um, – on the, sorry, switch mics. <laughs> sorry to catch that, switching mics, mics. Um, like you've had some guys come to you like, what will it take for you to work with me? And like, we were kind of jabbering about this, but I, I think that's kind of like the transition to adults. So I, like taking that, then to there, then to adults, I'd like to see how we can tie that in. Yeah, they'll ask, well, how much? We don't even need to go there. I don't know you. You don't know me. Go to Stephanie's point earlier tonight. And we said, I don't know if I'm for you or we're, we're for you. I don't really know if, if I'm, if I'm going to G-haul to steal one of the southern terms with that individual. So we had a guy that, that just missed the top 70 in the Corn Ferry Tour, and that was his thing. He got a referral from a social media post, and he says, well, how much is it going to be? I threw, I threw him a number, and he goes, that's really high. I said, compared to what? I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know anything of what you want other than the fact that you're just trying to find a Band-Aid for whatever's wrong so you can get in the top 70. You're going at it all wrong. Now, when the guys from the, from the Champions Tour, you know, will call, I'll go out there and, and visit with them. We spend more time just having a conversation. It's... They want to get back to the feel that they had when they were playing 20, 30 years ago. Well, things have changed. Technology's changed. The game's changed. Their bodies have changed. Their practice habits have changed. So you can't necessarily have the same results with a 30-year-old race car that you have with today's race car. doesn't work. Well, and I like that you start on the relationship side. Like, I had a meeting with Brooks earlier today, and um, one of the things I love about Brooks is that um, the relationship comes first. Because what you're doing is a very <coughs> – to become one of the best in the world, getting on the PGA Tour, in my mind, is you are one of the best in the world. In order to do that, you better be able to st stare reality in the face – because if not, social media is going to do it for you. And they're going to let you have it heavy. 
And that's why you're seeing all these like posts about mental health and all that. It's like, yeah, the one of the main reasons why the that's an issue for some of these younger guys that are trying to get out there is because they've put their identity in their performance, not in and, and yeah, and they just they can't leave this alone. That phone is what we're pointing to. Um, and so they won't look at reality like, hey, you need to play more. What do you mean I need to play more? Get your butt off the range. Well, like, I, I need to work on my – no, 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 no. That's not, that's not where the game's won. The game's not won on the driving range. You should have been doing that a long time ago. <clears throat> you know, 20, 30 years ago, the, you needed to be technically proficient. Now technology takes care of some of that for you, and it's all about learning your feels out there on the course. What makes these guys so good is they're going from a different course with different grass to another different course, different grass, and a different climate. And being able to make adjustments on the fly under stress is where they excel. And you can't learn that on the driving range. Can't be done. You can't simulate it. I've said it this way with some players before. I was like, you have to play your way out of the hole that you're in. You can't do it on well the range, said. and they won't leave the range. I was like, get off the range. Like, it's kind of my big well MO said. right now for the rest of the year. Like, get off the driving range. Like, Austin's one of my best uh, He is the best player that I teach and coach. Out of 50 hours, he's probably spending five a week on the driving range. Now, that's unique to his. Like, not everybody needs to be that far in it, but, like, that's how he plays his best and learns best. And it's only fine-tuning, isn't it? The first thing that Tiger Woods would always do whenever it was a swing change was take it to the course. The first thing we did when we started five years ago, six years ago, was let's take it to the course and see where it breaks. Because you need, you need to know so you can figure out what adjustments you do need to make. Well, and we got to see that today working on your game a little bit. It's like, it yeah, took thanks a, for that, pal. It, it took a couple holes to get in there to see, like, okay, that little bit of pivot stall shows up there. Um, and that's, like, this is really about it. But it's, by me being able, it's hard to see it yourself. And your, your alignment was a little off in a couple spots. Not, as a, not everywhere, but it's those two little minor adjustments that if we can catch, but you can't. I can't tell. Like, you can do them all perfectly right on the driver range. You said this when you got here. Like, I can do this all day. But I got to get out there and do that. Yeah, the, absolutely. There's an infinite number of scenarios you're going to face, and there's only there's a very finite number of scenarios you can face and or create. Like, the worst ball scramble is the best thing you can do that I know of to get to simulating tournament pressure, but it's still not. It's still not. No, it's, you have it's to go play. miles different. You know, the best thing you, one of the best things you said tonight was to Mike was get out there and play with guys that will just kick your back end. And that's, again, when we went out onto the, to the mini tour several years ago just to, just to gauge, see where that is. And you, you're playing with guys that are more than half your age and just beating your brains in from tee to green. But then in some, in some cases, they're a head case everywhere else. So then I would, I would ask the question to both of you. How do we then take those lessons from the young guy like, well, compared to what? Man, Scott, are you really worth $125 an hour, like talking about myself? Yeah, I'm worth more than that. 
I could char- I could charge you like how much do you charge for a tour player? I was like I could charge you two. F- I could charge you five hundred an hour if I wanted to, because you're the hardest people to deal with. Because if I make a wrong error with you, I ruin you. You're more fragile than somebody I'm trying to develop. Because if I pick the wrong thing, either the wrong thing from a technique standpoint mm-hmm. or a wrong thing from a feel standpoint, right? The game goes to. And I'm, and I'm coming at it from the mental side, not sports psychology, not vapor. It's mental performance. I, I know you're coming to me telling me what's wrong with your game, and what I have to do is uncover wh- what is going on emotionally and mentally in your game under stress. So then how do we get adults that are non-tour players – the average person to like really taking a a deep look at their game. Obviously, I have my program that we've mentioned tonight that I run, but like, how do can can we change? Can we change the culture? No, right? I, yeah, absolutely. Th- this is e- I think we, easier I think we than try. you think. I think we should try to change the culture, but can we? I think this is easier than you think. Um, can't let's, wait to hear let's, this. Let's keep it simple. What's the one obstacle? Discomfort. So what do you can do to build a bridge to make it more comfortable? To make it fun. Get their mind off of hand, arm, stick, club, ball. See ball, hit ball. Just take, take the technical out of it altogether and make it fun. You talked about it. Just do it. Go out there and do it. So th- that's it. Simplify it to that point. Ball target. 20-foot, 20-yard, 50-yard, 100-yard. One of the phrases that I used in the second half of the Cracking the Code program last year, so we came back after Christmas and New Year's, and I looked at everybody, 16 people, and I said, none of you are practicing hard enough. They're like, and they're the hardest practicers that are here and the most intelligent practicers that are here because of two months of grinding that. It's like, none of you are working hard enough. They're like, what do you mean? I said, it's the intentionality of the thing. You're, you're hitting more balls and you are more intentional than everybody else, but you're not as intentional as what I'm requiring out of this program. Right. And will you attack that? And like part of what, to me, half the fun in the whole thing is going, can I change it? Can I get better? Like, that's fun to me. Like, people go, oh, you're too competitive when you play. I'm trying to see how good I can get. That's fun for me. Now, like, uh, there are times where I'm okay just shooting the breeze, but I still want to play as well as I can because I want to build those habits. Right. But, like, adults need to be willing to stare in the mirror and be like, hey, it sucks, man. Like, going to the doctor and saying you've got some major illness is hard. So, but, like, they force that. Four and a half eval. Like, man, I'm like, you hear me? I'm already exhausted. I'm like, can we do it and like, Four one-hour sessions and one one-hour, you know, one thirty-minute session. <laughs> That's a. But what that does, that kind of stress, actually reveals your most dominant habit. Sure. And so sure. I told Stephanie, like she kind of looked at me cross-eyed today when I was like, "I'm gonna have you hit a ton of golf balls." She's like, "I'm not used to hitting a lot of golf balls." There's your brain will try to auto-correct, and it'll try and find a cheat for everybody. Sure. I don't, I don't care if you're. Tiger yeah, Woods, Dustin Johnson, it'll try and find a cheat. If if golf instructors only let players hit 30 to 40 golf balls at the most in an hour, you don't get to see the cheat. And now they're out on their own, 
Like, well, it was working yesterday at the lesson, and it was working today, but why isn't it working now? That's because the cheat jumped in there, and you never got a chance to see it. And so I'm okay, like, making players rep out. Like, you, they hit a lot of golf balls today. Like, there are times I'll go through almost a whole bucket in an hour. Sure. Because I, wa- I want to see it break so I can then educate them on how to catch it and learn. We're back to teaching adults how to learn again. Like, because they'll go, up. Oh, it's, it's broken. I don't know what's wrong. They kind of retreat on it. It's like, no, no, no. Stay on it. Like, Stephanie's today was like the arms trying to cheat. Like, n- no, but I want you to see the cheat so that you can be aware of the cheat and override the cheat. Now, autopilot and autocorrect two are different not things. two different things. Yeah. So that's coming up later this year, but in another podcast. But, yeah, like, so you do the same thing for your adults, right? How do they respond to it? I think we've built the culture that they understand that it, it's really hard. <laughs> Golf is really hard, and to change that motor pattern and what it takes. Um, and going back to my point before of are you serious enough? And if you aren't, especially at that elite level, because we have – the, my academy is we're looking to develop college players, like Division One, Corn Ferry Tour, and beyond. Like we have a few pa- players that have gone through our programs – and are now there at that level. Um, so I think they know that coming in. So it's a, it goes back to a cultural uh, situation, I think. Um, so our adults know that as well. And again, it might not be for you. As you were saying that, I was kind of thinking about, I'm not a fan of CrossFit. However, I respect CrossFit in a certain sense of um, what they've created is a culture of like, this is really freaking hard but we're all in it together, right? And so, like, there's a certain culture there, which was the what we did this winter with the cracking the code. Like, like Chuck's sitting out here in front of me. Like, hey, Chuck, you got to do this in front of everybody. Like, how'd I do? It's like, no, you didn't do it. I, I didn't? Like, no, you didn't. Try again. All right, how about that time? Felt like it was better. Yeah, no, you didn't do it. You got eight or nine people telling you, no, you didn't do it, not just me. So there's a pressure that's there, but it's like I do that to everybody so that you all understand, like, because it's to add that stress of, like, you're not pushing hard. And like, let's get it all the way there. Like, let's get it further. Get it down. Like, and so we're in that whole mess together of pushing. Into that. That's, to me, that's the, that's the magic of what CrossFit did is they created an entire culture of workout of the day, the WOD. It's like, oh, I don't want to look at the WOD. What's that board look like? Oh, man, this is going to be rough. But I got these three people to do it with today. And so, again, there's, there's a lot I don't agree with CrossFit, but I love what they did in terms of building a culture of that. And um, Brooks gave us a, a book here on staff that he's wanted all of us to read called Extreme Ownership, which I was like, uh, it's kind of a lot like the one Scott gave us, the seven steps to become an elegant leader with voltage. Like, there's yours is more workbook-based. His is more kicky-in-the-teeth-based. Yeah, very military-esque book. But... Like, in there is, we own that. Like, if the culture isn't there, that's on me. That's not on those people. Like, well, the parents are too over-involved, and the parents are this, the parents are that. It's like, well, you let that be that way. Don't let them. Well, how do I do it? Like, well, you got to change the culture. It's really hard to change a culture that's already headed down that way. It can. You can write the ship. It just It's a grind to write it, but you can. Um, it takes a long time. So the beauty of like being able to come into here where Brooks has kind of already established that culture is like, I can just fold right into it and try and drive it even further 
and just bringing in the right people along the way that can kind of fill those gaps. Um, but yeah, it's on us as leaders to do that. Like, well, how do you get your parents to do that? Well, I just tell them in the outset, like, these are my five best practices for parents. And this is, this is what we do. And then when I come to a parent and sit them down later and be like, Hey, like I've said in here, don't tell your kid what to do. Like you're cutting me off. Like you're, you're making my job harder. Stop it. I know you want them to do well, but like, remember, this is, these are my principles. The funny thing is when you set it on the front end and you're very serious about it is they tend to buy in or they bow out. And I don't want the ones that, I don't want to fight the ones that are eventually going to bow out. Get out of here. I know it sounds crazy. And some parents are like, well, I don't want to, if he's going to kick us out, I was like, no, you'll just leave. And that's okay by me. And a lot of times once they leave, they realize, man, we had it really good there. And if they decide to come back then, that's fine. Because they've realized, like, what they missed. So, yeah. Final thoughts? Yeah. Just to kind of add to, to Scott's thought, just with the parents, because we do deal with the parents, and, again, our focus is on the Junior Academy. Uh, we do something called the our PACE score. And I mentioned this to Scott earlier. <laughs> uh, PACE standing for... Uh, for performance, attendance, attitude, coachability, and effort. So if parents are upset with the results and a score of their child, um, there's a direct correlation between their PACE score and their scoring average. And you've got a place to point them to. Like, this is, this is their PACE score. This is their performance. Well, he's playing worse than so-and-so. Would you like to see that kid's PACE score? Smoking your kid. The only thing I've added in this entire podcast was uh, would be to like just double back to the pace score. Like I feel like a lot of parents, and Grant, I don't deal with tons of juniors like you do, Stephanie. But I feel like tons of parents were like, "Well, you know, my kid is not shooting X. Like, why can I do that?" It's like, well, and now you have like a real because you keep putting that pressure on them right there. Well, yeah, and you got a real tangible, real tangible information to fall back on and be like, "Listen, like they're not doing X." Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. And that's why I think, just in terms of development, it is at least for juniors and adults too. It's more than just the golf score. There's a lot that goes into it. Totally cool. Well, I think we're gonna wrap up this episode of the Champions Playbook. Uh, thank you to everybody who came out tonight. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks, successful Stephanie. Night. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank Love you, Scott, for coming in and uh, sitting down on this panel. This has been so much fun. Uh, for those of you who Jack's going to get this one out on time this time. <laughs> uh, He's probably going to cut that out. No, I definitely am. Uh, those who were not here, you missed out on the opportunity to win a golf bag, um, Pro V1s, um, books, ball markers, and whoa, excuse me, and a free 30-minute lesson. Everybody who showed up here got a free 30-minute lesson. So if that's not a reason to come stop by the Champions Playbook once or twice a month uh, here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays, you got to do it. You got to do it. So um, I think that's going to wrap it up. So from this four panel up here, well, Scott's no longer here next to me, but uh, from us here at Franklin Bridge, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.
Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always, feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, we got some specials going on. We have some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace.